Welcome back. Uh, if this is Signing Day Live Part 2. Uh, Jerry, you look like you got a shower, my man. I'm, I'm ready to rock. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, it wasn't so long ago you and I were together, and as soon as we uh, got off the Signing Day Live Part 1, uh, Texas got a commitment uh, from a portal prospect. So it's not necessarily Signing Day related as much as it is portal Signing Day related. So it wasn't really what we were looking for. Uh, but it did occur, and that's Gavin Holmes, the cornerback out of Wake Forest starter uh, for the Demon Deacons. Had nine passes defended a year ago, uh, 24 tackles overall. Uh, what do you think about this pickup? And then I want to talk about some more stuff, but uh, let's start with Gavin Holmes. Yeah, I think it goes to kind of what you say, Bobby, is, uh, you know, you got to get starters out of the portal if you're Texas. That's where you're at as a program. Um, you know, the first year out of the portal, it was more getting some – guys that were role players, right? Uh, that changed last year, and that goes even a step further this year. you got to get starters out of the portal. Gavin Holmes has uh, two years of starting experience at a Power 5 level. And, you know, for those that maybe just are casual college football fans and look at Wake Forest, well, Wake Forest has won more games than Texas probably the last five, six years uh, at a time. So Gavin Holmes has started on a really good program. Uh, they he's, he's been in big situations, pressure situations, games against Clemson, North Carolina, rivalry games, what have you. But uh, he's a quality player. He's from the state of Louisiana. Uh, there's, again, the staff is set up to recruit in Louisiana. Terry Joseph, Bo Davis, Brandon Harris, a lot of connections to the state of Louisiana uh, on the Texas coaching staff and support staff. Uh, so it, it's a great day when you combine signing Malik Muhammad and getting Gavin Holmes. You suddenly have two quality corners coming into the program, one with experience and one that's an early enrollee out of high school. It also gives you a little – uh flexibility in the spring with both those guys going to be in in the spring. If you want to move an Austin Jordan and look at him at safety, if you want to look at Terrence Brooks at a nickel, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but it does uh, it does present the options to move guys around in the secondary because you have more quality players at corner. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we, Texas went into the day uh, with uh, really five guys that were possibilities. Uh, DeAndre Moore, wide receiver out of St. John Bosco. Uh, Cecilia Kana, Edge, out of uh, Utah. Kamirian Pimpton, a tight end out of North Crowley. Jelani McDonald, an athlete out of Waco. And Tyler Scott, a defensive back out of uh, Atlanta. Let's go over those guys right now because here's why that's important. Texas entered the day with 21 commitments from high school players. All 21 of those, including Arch Manning, Cedric Baxter, Anthony Hill, Derek Williams, uh, all of those guys, Jonte Cook, Malik Muhammad, Sadir Mitchell, on and on, right? They all signed. So Texas is 21 for 21, and they were trying to add to that today. Uh, chief among them uh, is Tassili Akana and DeAndre Moore. Let's talk about those two. Uh, Akana announces at 3 o'clock Central. Uh, so we're about 30 to 40 minutes away uh, from his announcement. And I believe it's about that time when Steve Sarkeesian goes to the microphone for his signing day press conference. Uh, Akana has been thought to be leaning towards Oklahoma. However, Jerry Hamilton here of On3 and Inside Texas uh, put in an RPM pick yesterday uh, for Texas and Akana. Uh, that was the first one uh, for that to happen. Previous to that, there were a dozen to a half dozen that were just strictly for Oklahoma. Uh, so that, that alone or that recruitment has turned uh, very quickly in the last 24 to 48 hours. 
Uh, we had heard late last week that Akana was in play. In fact, I wrote about it on a Friday uh, post on Inside Texas, uh, saying that I was hearing Texas was more and more involved in that than I was than previous led to being led to believe. And so we're waiting on him at three o'clock. Uh, we are still waiting on DeAndre Moore, the wide receiver out of St. John. So, Bo- so, so St. John Bosco high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Moore uh, was expected to flip to Texas today. Uh, but I am told uh, that uh, right now he is not expected to sign today. And if that is the case, Texas is unlikely uh, to continue its recruitment of him. Um, so that is where uh, things are at, at this point. Uh, more uh, for, Right or wrong, it looks like Texas is going to finish with two high school receivers uh, in this recruiting class, Ryan Niblett out of Aldi Eisenhower, and, of course, John Tay Cook, uh, the state champion out of DeSoto. Uh, furthermore, Camorian Pimpton uh, has committed to LSU and signed with LSU. Uh, Jelani McDonald, who I mentioned, will not make his decision known until January 7th, a high school all-star game. And we're unsure on Tyler Scott, uh, although we believe – Auburn uh, was the team uh, to go. Uh, Jerry, all of this to sum up what's going on today, your thoughts on the process uh, and, uh, you know, what what the Horns have done and accomplished. Yeah, I'm going to add one more to it, Jacoby Lane. I made a call in between the shows here. Uh, Jacoby Lane's not going to be part of SC's class unless that changes. It's expected he is going to go to USC. Um, He is – Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm mean, sorry, not going to be USC's class is expected. He's going to go to Arizona State um, as of right now. We'll see what happens. But he is going to be a late qualifier academically. So there is an academic piece to this that I think really helps USC. Um, and, I mean, you mean, USC, mean Arizona State. I'm a little confused. Yeah, the, 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 the academic piece is really helping Arizona State here and kind of made USC kind of not back off, but maybe hold off a little bit with him. So that academic piece being a late qualifier has helped Arizona State here. We'll see if something happens with Texas. I've not heard that in the last hour. It's all been Arizona State with Jacoby Lane. Uh, Deuce Robinson also, uh, Texas, the tight end, uh, brought him in for an official visit. Uh, He is thought to be down to USC and Georgia primarily, but it's important to remember that Texas still remains involved, yet he will not sign until the February signing period. You talked to – or Chad Simmons of On3 uh, talked to his parents this uh, either earlier today, uh, earlier this morning, or earlier this afternoon. I can't remember which. Yeah, I can't remember which one, but yeah, he's he's gonna uh, hold off. There were some rumors he may sign that may sign this week. That's not happening. Apparently, he's gonna wait until February. Texas is gonna recruit him through the whistle or until there's not a reason to. That we do know. They will stay in on Deuce Robinson and continue to recruit him. As will Georgia. As will USC. Got it. Uh, we're going to take some uh, questions uh, this afternoon as we uh, hold off into this uh, uh, kind of uh, the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the sunset of the 2023 recruiting class. Uh, the vast majority of this is now complete. Uh, 21 commitments in for the Longhorns. Uh, so we're going to take some questions uh, and get to y'all's questions as quickly as possible uh, here. Let's go ahead and start with this one. Um, and I I pretty much I'm pretty sure on this one right here, uh, Jerry, what you're going to say. But I want to ask it anyways. And that deals with David Hicks, uh, the defensive lineman out of Katie Paytow. Uh, We still think he's going to A&M. Is that correct? 
uh, as far as we know, Oklahoma's in it. Um, you know, Oregon has been in it, but he's expected to stay close to home. But I don't want to doubt. I don't want to doubt Oregon right now. That's for sure. But yeah, I, th- I think A&M stands a good chance to hold on to him. But Oklahoma is definitely making it a, a race again. And he was always expected to stay close to home. So we'll see uh, if, if anything happens. But to my knowledge, unless it's happened in the last few minutes, I haven't looked. He's not signed with A&M yet. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, I think Moore is the one missing out. If Nayor comes back and he is good to go, we will be fine. Nayor, Worthy, Cook, Red, Thompson. That's tough. And if Whittington comes back. I want to say this, uh, not political, just a realist is the name of the the poster that asked this question or posed it. Um, Whittington, I expect to come back at this point. He has not said that uh, publicly, and we are waiting for official word from him. Uh, but from sources in and around the program, that is the current expectation uh, after the uh, Alamo Bowl. I don't think we'll hear anything until we hear from him after the Alamo Bowl. Uh, as, you, as it relates to you, Jerry, do you expect now Texas to go to the portal potentially for an additional receiver if they only sign two in their high school class? I think it, even if Moore had signed today with Texas, even if something weird happens and he does sign today with Texas, I still think uh, the Longhorns are going to look for a receiver in the portal. If Moore goes elsewhere and Texas only signs two high school receivers, then the question becomes do they go after two portal receivers. Uh, and I think that will be in play if Moore does not sign with Texas. Uh, and, and like you said, if he doesn't sign with Texas today, I don't think it's happening. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But so it's going to be one or two out of the portal, depending on what ultimately happens with more here in the next few hours. Um, let's go here. How many years can Holmes play? Uh, Gavin Holmes, the, uh, cornerback out of, uh, uh, out of, uh, Archb- Archbishop Rummel, uh, by way of, uh, Wake Forest. He played his third collegiate season this year. Uh, but because of COVID, he has a red shirt year remaining, I believe. So he actually has two more years uh, to finish up uh, playing. So he'll enter Texas as a quote unquote red shirt juniors. Right. Yeah, exactly. Two years to play. Yep. Um, another question for you, Jerry. Uh, and this is something that uh, is, is worth a worth a question. Are uh, asked asked by Xavier Delgado, are big wide receivers crucial in Sark's system? I think you would like to have one, obviously. I mean, they recruited Nayor. They were looking out of the portal. They recruited uh, Jacoby Lane uh, out of the high school ranks, right? And I think they would like to have one. And I think I think that it's needed. Uh, but I think more than anything, Sarkeesian just wants guys that get open, right? I mean, they literally can get open and play on the move. Uh, I think that's the biggest. So whatever 5'11", 180 package like a John Tay Cook, um, 5'10", 175, 5'10", half 175 package like Niblet, or if you can find the 6'4", 200-pound guy, uh, absolutely you take him. Obviously, you know, when you watch Texas this last season, you said, what would that look like if Colin Johnson was in that offense? Just somebody to throw the ball to on third and eight above the chains and let him go get it. I think, obviously, Texas would like to find a receiver like that. Uh, they're not they're not easy to find one out of the portal uh, that, that level player. I think Nayor was um, as a vertical threat, but obviously the injury. But then out of high school ranks, they're hard to find. Uh, those are guys that you got to be in on early and you got to really have strong relationships with. Uh, but to answer the question, I don't think it's a necessity. I think it's a need. Got it. Um, let's go here real quick. Uh, a possible portal addition. We've talked about these at receiver. 
here's my take on this. So they're talking about Caden Prather. I think his name's Caden Prather. Yeah. Uh, the wide receiver from uh, West Virginia. He's in the portal. Good player, Jerry. Yes. Uh, if not their best receiver, one of their top two receivers this year. Um, he's good enough to play at Texas. Would have been at, le at least the number two, at least the number three receiver at Texas this year. Um, if he, if, uh, he, well, depending on Isaiah Nayor's health, right? But Prather uh, would have been in that group, okay? So at the same time, Jerry, and you know this as well as I do, there are other guys in the portal that have the same kind of level as as, as Prather does, that have been just as um, just as successful, uh, just got the same size, height. The the portal it it seems like it's very easy to find a productive receiver in the portal. Would you agree with that? I would. I actually think that may be the, the best position to, to get a player out of the portal, impact player out of the portals at wide receiver. And yes, there's a lot of them. Yes, it's spread football. Uh, so there's a lot of guys with stats and numbers. Uh, I think the main thing though is, is finding the right guy. I mean, look, Texas took a chance on a Jai Hall's talent. That didn't work out. And now Texas is at the point of, you know, they've turned a corner. They feel like they've got the culture, whether the term's overused or not, where they want it headed. Uh, so I think the main thing is there's a lot of guys in the portal that are really good players, but you have to find the guy who fits into your locker room and into your culture. I think that's as, as big as anything Texas is doing right now in the portal is there's a lot of talent, but you better find the right pieces. Yeah, uh, and this, this flows into it. Uh, who is Texas waiting on in the portal at receiver? They haven't offered one yet. They're not waiting on anyone in particular. They were waiting to really figure out what they had in the high school ranks to get after it a little bit and what they needed. I also think that it's possible that they're waiting. Look, there's going to be more than one run of high school, or excuse me, of portal prospects. We expect more portal prospects after, uh, after the bowl games finish. We expect another run of portal prospects after May, uh, after spring training. We'll see how all of that uh, flows and, and what that means uh, at the right time. But uh, anyways, that, that's another one. Jerry, here's another portal question. It seems like we're, we're, we're really talking a lot about the portal now. That's what happens when you go 21 to 21 on signing day, right? That's right. I mean, fair. I think this is fair because I think that a lot of the astute Texas fans, um, which I, I do believe that, that, that a lot of you guys are, are, are really, really into it and understand what we're talking about here. When you go 21 to 21, it's it's about what have you done for me lately? What's next, right? And so as much as we want to celebrate this top five or so ranked class for the Longhorns, the reality of it is, is now let's let's talk about what's next uh, for Texas. Uh, this comes from uh, Just a Dude uh, is the name of his uh, post or his handle. Is safety a priority in the portal? Catalan, uh, Jalen Catalan of Arkansas would bring leadership and playmaking ability and as a team guy, things I assume Texas looks for. Let me take the uh, part about uh, Catalan would bring leadership. Texas is not recruiting Jalen Catalan. Uh, he had a shoulder injury a couple of years in a row, I believe. Uh, and even though he posted a picture of him being in Austin, Texas, it had no nothing to do uh, with the University of Texas football team. Uh, at least, you know, not this weekend. Uh, they are not expected to go after him, even though he is a Texas native. That being said, Jerry, you answer this question. Is safety a priority in the portal? 
Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, look, if Derek Williams was a early enrollee, maybe not as much, but still, it's almost like bringing in Malik Muhammad. Terrence Brooks is going to be a sophomore at corner. Austin Jordan played some at corner. Ryan Watts is back. You still need Gavin Holmes out of the portal. You still need a starter-level player. In Texas, I think the difference with Catalan is they want more size. They want more rangy size at safety. And Catalan's a hell of a player. He's, he has been through the injury ringer. Uh, he's a hell of a player, but I just don't think that's the fit frame-wise, range-wise necessarily they're looking for. Uh, and obviously, Jihad uh, Carter, the the uh, safety from Syracuse out of uh, the Richmond, Virginia area, he visited last weekend. He's also considering Ohio State, which has been very popular for Virginia high school football players um, in, in years past. Obviously, Carter's coming out of the portal. Uh, but Ohio State's really is, is real competition there for any kid in, in the state of uh, Virginia. So I think that's what they're looking for, a taller, longer-arm kid with more range at safety. But they absolutely have a need. I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, it continues to be Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm specializes in results for his clients, whether it's a tragic car wreck, an accident in the workplace, or any serious or catastrophic injury. Adam is who you want to call. Call Adam today at 512-280-0800 or reach him online at lowylawfirm.com for a free consultation. And remember, Adam focuses on results. Uh, taking a couple more uh, questions here, um, you know, from, from folks in, in, you know, I don't want to get too far into Texas versus Texas A&M or Texas versus OU. Uh, but Jerry, can you give me a sense of other teams in the Big 12 who did well and who suffered today and teams that you thought did well and suffered in the SEC? Yeah, I think the uh, the one in the Big 12 that had a rough go was obviously uh, Baylor, losing Nova Sod at the, literally the last hour uh, to Oregon and kind of helping that Oregon run. Uh, that was a big loss. Torian York, the linebacker, had already flipped to Texas A&M. I think they lost two leaders. I think they lost uh, the quarterbacks on both sides of the ball, essentially is what they lost. Torian York is a player that Temple staff absolutely loved him as a leader, as a tough guy, as a guy who call a defense. So Baylor lost two quarterbacks in reality, and that is tough to overcome. Uh, so Baylor did not have a good high school uh, run here at the end, up leading up the sign. I think Texas Tech had a tremendous class. Doesn't surprise me with Joey McGuire and the staff that he put together. Uh, they have a really strong recruiting department staff. Um, they ranked 25 in the on three consistent team rankings. Uh, obviously, did one the one player Texas fans know is Dylan Spencer, who signed with Texas Tech. But they got a lot of big, long arm athletes. They got speed at different a lot of different positions. Uh, I think the Texas Tech did a really good job. I think they have a really solid class. Um, and it doesn't surprise me if you know Joey McGuire at all. He's very energetic. Uh, he put together a really good uh, off-field recruiting staff, put on, together a good on-field staff as well uh, with some key connections in different areas, East Texas, DFW. Uh, so I thought they had a really good day. TCU, look, I mean, we could talk about them a lot, but th they were pretty much locked into a top 20 class beforehand. Uh, they have a lot of juice right now. Uh, they've done a good job filling some late needs at defensive back in that class. Uh, so I thought they had a really good day. As far as the SEC goes, I mean, we talked about Arkansas earlier. I mean, they're 22 in recruiting. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. 
The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. But boy, that's really limping to the finish at 22. I mean, there's just no way around that. Um, they did not have the close, and they've lost a lot of guys in the portal. Uh, you know, South Carolina finishing 17 and recruiting. Auburn had a good – I think Auburn's had a pretty good day. They lost a couple of guys, but they had a pretty good day. Hugh Freeze is going to have Auburn as a factor in recruiting. Um, you know, Texas A&M finishes 15, coming off of last year, off the season they had, not where they wanted to be. Uh, I, I like South Carolina's class. I mean, they had a really good season on the field. They beat Clemson. They did some really good things. Florida's kind of limped home uh, in the finish in the SEC – I love what LSU's doing. I mean, look, getting Kamori and Pimpton today. I mean, they already had tight ends committed. Uh, that going in the North Corral and getting Kamori and Pimpton over Texas. That's a big win for Brian Kelly in the state of Texas. I don't care when Texas offered Pimpton or not. He followed through, he made the official visit, and he picked LSU. So that that's a really big win for LSU. And I think they've they're off to a good start in 2024 as well. I think Zalance Heard was a huge one for them to keep home early before they had the good season on the field, beat Alabama, really good defensive back class. You look at JV and Toviano, um, some of the other guys they've signed at defensive back. They have a really strong class. They've done well in DFW. You know, LSU's always done well in, in the Houston area, but they did pretty well in DFW in this cycle. Got it. Um, Jerry, this is a different question. Uh, and please get your questions in, by the way, uh, if you can, uh, and talk to us here on the live stream. Uh, from T Travis Newgard. How do we feel now about the depth on the offensive line? We pretty much had all five players play every game this year. Can't count on that again. Exactly. He's he's really right in that yeah. there was only one injury sustained all year once the season started. So it doesn't include Junior Anglau's um, uh, injury prior to the season. But Cole Hudson going out late, or excuse me, late in the first half uh, against uh, Baylor really was the team's only a uh, big injury all season long came the very last game. We can't count on that again. Yeah. Uh, what do you feel about the uh, depth along the offensive line now? Uh, best I've felt in uh, over a decade. I mean, probably since back to 03, 04, 05, 06. I mean, that's that's really it for me. Um, you know, DJ Campbell likely takes over at right guard next year. Uh, Cole Hudson will move to the left side next year. Uh, Kelvin Banks will be a sophomore, be an All-American. Cam Williams or Neto will take over at right tackle. I love both those guys. I think they're both future draft picks. Uh, I, so I think the talent level, um, and Malik Ogbo may have the best feet of all of them. Um, I think the talent level is increased dramatically with the 2022 class and now the 23 class. I think they've got some really good developmental players in 23. Connor Stroh is going to maximize what he has. What does that mean for him as an interior offensive lineman? I don't know yet, but he's going to continue to reshape his body. He's going to maximize everything he has. He is going to play hard. He can push people in the run game. He's just got to get his feet quicker as he reshapes that body. Andre Kojo has a lot of upside in him. I mean, going to be 17 when he gets on campus. Uh, you can't really coach 6'6", 340 with an 83-inch wingspan. Jaden Chapman's really talented. All those guys have 80-plus-inch wingspans. So I think they're getting big frames, broad shoulders, long arms, and 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 giant, ginormous wingspans. So I, I love the depth 
of the offensive line at Texas. And here's the bigger thing. Last year, what did they have? Seven guys for spring football? Because there was only one early enrollee last year. Seven. And this, I mean, so this year they have four four of the starters back. Neto, Cam, Malik Ogbo. So you're at seven. You have four of the uh, five guys coming in early enrollee. So you have 11. Um, then you you know have you whatever holdovers you still have. So you you at least have eleven bodies uh, that are talented bodies on the offensive line for spring football. I think that's huge because they haven't had that in a while. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, quick recap. Uh, talking with Jerry Hamilton uh, of Inside Texas and on three. Uh, we are doing a Longhorn live stream on National Signing Day, brought to you by Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, Jason Strickland asked simply, "Who is signed?" So this is a great question just to, to get it out of the way. All 21 commitments who were pledged to Texas yesterday, yeah. so that's leading up to all of them, they have all signed to the Longhorns. Additionally, there have been two additions, one of which we already had assumed would come in, but we didn't know if Texas would announce them. That's the punter Ryan Sanborn from the portal out of Stanford who has committed, who had previously committed to Texas. Additionally, uh, late today, around 2 o'clock, Gavin Holmes, uh, the uh, defensive back out of Wake Forest, committed to Texas. Uh, he was a portal prospect originally from Archbishop Rummel, uh, played three seasons at, at Wake, had visited Texas last weekend, uh, and gave the Longhorns a pledge, uh, and the Longhorns announced that on their official football feed uh, just about an hour, hour and a half ago. So that is where we're at. Texas has added 23 players total as of today. We are waiting on at least one more player right now, and that is Tassili Akana, the defensive end edge uh, rusher out of uh, Utah, who is expected to make his announcement uh, in the next 20 to 30 minutes here, uh, Jerry. Um, any, Jerry, uh, we, we look at this, and I'm just impressed by Texas's list uh, top to bottom. Uh, but one position does stand out to me, just like almost like uh, offensive line did a year ago, and that's the linebackers. Yeah. What what a what a group Jeff Choate uh, and uh, his guys brought in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love Samaje Burrell. Uh, you know, he a leader, football IQ. Uh, you know, talking to the North Crowley staff, six foot, nearing two hundred twenty five pounds. They think he runs high four fives at this point. He's dunking the basketball, playing basketball at North Crowley, big-time athlete, also a big-time football guy. Anthony Hill, obviously, five-star, on three consensus, five-star prospects, a tackling machine, long arm, 6'2", 225 pounds. He'll be 240, 245 in time. Uh, just a really productive downhill player. Uh, Leon LaFau, I think, you know, maybe underrated a little bit uh, in our business nationally. Uh, makes plays downhill, sure tackler, but also makes plays in space, drop it in coverage. I think it's a really good class. Uh, Darren Gillette also is the hybrid. Uh, hard for me to say a lot on him. He missed his senior year, still rehabbing the knee injury. What I can tell Texas fans, he's been released or he'll be released in February to begin running and doing light drills. So he'll be enrolled at Texas in January. And I think that's huge for him to go through the rehab process, the last part of this rehab process at the University of Texas with the Texas training staff, doctors, uh, nutritionists, and everything like that. He's got a hell of a lot of upside if he comes back healthy from the knee. I mean, he is top three or four guy in this class as far as 
high ceiling goes if he's healthy. So it's a really good group. Uh, three of those guys are early enrollees. Two of those guys will be going through spring football. Only Samaj Abrell, who was originally scheduled to be an early enrollee, decided against it. He just wanted to stay in high school, play basketball, uh, run track, throw, you know, he's, he's on the four by 100 relay team at North Crowley. I mean, so he runs relays. He just wanted to be a high school senior. So that's the only thing that can make this class better is if all four of those guys were early enrollees. But uh, I expect two or three of those guys to play key snaps next year. So when they get there, when they get settled in the college football, I think they're that talented. All right. Uh, going to Aloha Traveler, perhaps a very uh, apropos name. What do you guys think of this staff's ability now to recruit nationally? He asks, it seems to me that, that this is probably the best national recruiting staff Texas has ever had. Seems to be a priority. And I love it. You would be if you're an Aloha traveler, because uh, this is group included the first ever signee from the state of Hawaii in Leongole Lafau uh, out of Kahuku, Hawaii. Uh, but they've also uh, gone to California. Uh, they've gone to uh, Utah, potentially, it looks like. Uh, also, uh, Florida, New Jersey. That's east to west as far as it goes. Um, Jerry, what are your thoughts on them as a uh, national recruiting organization? Yeah, I think I think the staff was built for that. Um, maybe not the initial staff. I think it was with Jeff Banks, um, Bo Davis, Terry Joseph, uh, all those guys. Sarkeesian himself, right, is recruited nationally. But then they bring in Tashard Choice, Brennan Marion, especially Tashard Choice, who has recruited that Atlanta area, Central Florida, down the Southwest Corridor of Florida. He's recruited all those areas, but uh, they have a lot of experience in the right places, in the correct places for me to be a national staff. Kyle Flood has a ton of connections up along the eastern seaboard. And while Bo Davis did a great job in the recruitment of Sadir Mitchell um, as a guy who can develop him, and, and Sadir and his father were convinced of that, Kyle Flood got Texas in the door on that one, being a from the New Jersey, New York area, being a former head coach at Rutgers. He recruited that area for Alabama as well. So um, so they have the staff to go get it nationally, and they have the willingness to go get it nationally. And I will say this, though, credit to the staff for everything they've done, but the move to the SEC is big in all this as well. I mean, it, Texas is viewed different nationally. So if you have the staff – in place to recruit nationally, you can take advantage of it because the kids are going to start looking and they already have start looking at you differently because these kids grew up wanting to play in the SEC. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is at some level. Hey, um, next question I wanted to go to uh, Jerry, and this is something I think you and I both can take on from Blake Kohlhoff with the 2022 class and now the 23 class almost locked up. Assuming we add a few more players in the transfer portal, what are the expectations for the 2023 season? You want me to go first? You want to go, go first. first? All right. I'll, I'll, I think that Texas is going to be, should be in the Big 12 championship game this coming year, most likely. Uh, as long as Quinn Ewers progresses as I think he will and stays healthy. Um, if for whatever reason he's gone in game four, uh, all bets are off because I think, uh, I think this league is still, uh, Texas isn't outright that much better than everybody else that they can withstand the loss of a starting quarterback. Uh, I don't know that anybody is anymore. Um, and so I would say that would be my first uh, blush at a uh, real uh, prediction for Texas. I think that outside of Kansas State, I'm not sure anybody brings back a better group. 
I, I know that uh, a lot of people would say, what about TCU? Because they bring out back a lot of people on the back end of their defense. I'm just, I, I could be wrong here, uh, but uh, I feel like TCU season was a little magical this year. Yes, they're good, but uh, we'll have to wait and see where they end up. Uh, but uh, right now, I, I see no reason why Texas shouldn't be competing for the Big 12 championship uh, a year from now. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I look for uh, Texas to go from eight wins. Well, see what happens in a bowl game. Let's say eight regular season wins to nine or 10. I think it's a slower climb once you hit that eight point. But I think, look, the trajectory is, in, is heading in the right direction. Uh, so I expect to see a nine or 10 win team next year. Obviously, you go to you have Rice at home, then you go to Alabama, then you have Wyoming at home. That game at Alabama is going to really set the tables for if you can win 10 or 11 games in the regular season. I mean, hey, that's we, we've got to mention this. We've got yeah. to mention this. You just mentioned Rice. It just came out, I think it was either late yesterday or earlier today, that JT Daniels, the West Virginia quarterback that was previously the USC quarterback, will now transfer to Rice. If he starts against Texas next year, I think that is the first player that has ever played Texas while at three different schools. As <laughs> starting certainly is as the starting quarterback. I can't, uh, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. I, have you ever heard of, I, I've heard of two schools maybe, but three? No, never. I mean, that's where we're at in college football, right? You know, we're talking about the former Gatorade player of the year in California. Didn't work out at USC. Uh, started against Texas at USC. Goes to West Virginia, uh, Georgia. Doesn't work out there. I mean, this is his fourth college. I mean, fourth school. And it's just crazy where we're at in college football, the former Gatorade player of the year in California. So then he goes to West Virginia, starts against Texas in Austin. That's the thing, too. It's three three times in Austin with three different teams and mixed in Georgia in between. <laughs> so uh, it's just that's crazy where we're at in college football. And, you know, that's not, it's not what you want to see from a quarterback. Let's be real. Yeah. Uh, Inside Texas reported yesterday, Ajay Hall, uh, the sophomore transfer from Alabama last year, had been uh, dismissed from the team. Uh, Steve Rupert asked, does Hall have to sit out a year when he transfers to another school? Technically, yes, but Texas can waive that. And I believe that Texas will waive that, uh, particularly when you uh, kick a kid off the team. Uh, yeah. that, that's uh, particular. I, and I don't I think a lot of people are just not even worrying about that anymore. And they're making kids right. immediate, immediately eligible, even after uh, that first, uh, that first transfer. Um, JT Daniels is an example of that. Uh, with Ajay Hall leaving Texas, uh, this is from Dodgers 988 fan, with Ajay Hall leaving Texas and DeAndre Moore possibly not coming, does Texas finally go after Dominic Lovett out of Missouri? Uh, Jerry, uh, we, we talked a, a lot about the wide receivers. Um, you know, this is a good question, but we don't know the answer to it, right? Yeah, we don't, we don't know the answer to it. Um, I, I think a lot of that is, you know, to be determined. Um, but uh, right now, I'd be surprised on Lovett. I just haven't heard anything with that one. Uh, I, and I again, I think Texas is going to sit back and see who jumps into this portal after the bowl games and kind of go from there. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm looking online just to anything new on Cecilia Khan and nothing new should be announced in here in the next 15 minutes. Yeah. That's what it looks like to me. Um, looking at some other stuff. Oh, thank you, Maj. I wonder if that is who we think it is. 
Maja, you don't need to be doing that, bud. We need to be working. You need to be working for uh, uh, the other stuff. Uh, but congratulations uh, on to you if that is indeed uh, you uh, and uh, that sort of stuff. Um, let's look at this one. Uh, Denver Harris. Uh, you know, Denver Harris uh, was a five-star recruit from a year ago, played at Texas A&M this past year, did a great job for them when he was on the field. But then he got into some trouble off the field and uh, was eventually persona non grata uh, at, with that football program. He is now in the portal. Uh, he is probably the best cornerback, pound for pound, in the portal. The problem is, is he's not a culture fit at Texas right now, in my opinion. And I am told that Texas is not recruiting him. Uh, Jerry, you agree with that? And you agree with them not uh, going after him? I, I do, um, and and this is saying somebody who was part of ranking uh, Denver five-star prospect, but uh, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I think Texas has culture, whether the term's overused or not. They have the culture about where they want it. They have the locker room about where they want it. They feel like everybody's heading in the, in the same direction, the correct direction, and I just think that, that – it's all about building a team versus collecting talent right now. If you're Steve Sarkeesian, is Denver Harris a more talented player than Gavin Holmes? Sure, he is. Is he a better fit at Texas than Gavin Holmes is? Sure, he's not. And I think that's really what it came down to. Yep. Um, you know, Jerry, we we talk about we talk about Samaje. Uh, we talked about those linebackers with Jeff Choate, uh, Malik Muhammad, uh, Gavin Holmes, Derek Williams. Sadir Mitchell, uh, potentially Tassili Akana, Colton Vosick, Billy Walton, Leongle Lafau. Uh, we, we talk about all these guys, Darian Gallette. Um, some of those guys, a lot of them committed before this season, right? So they had some faith that Texas was going to improve on defense before Texas actually improved on defense this season, right? Mm -hmm. Then Texas, the defense really went out and did a tremendous job for most of the year. There were a couple of bad games, right? Um, what are your thoughts, Jerry, on that situation and, and whether or not this is a defense that really is on the rise? And furthermore, are they going to get the type of players uh, that can take this to an either, even better level? Or are some of these guys that exact thing yeah so i think recruiting is kind of uh multiple tentacles here with this the first one is whenever you struggle on defense kids see an opportunity and i think a lot of those kids that committed before the season saw a real opportunity to come in and play a lot push early for jobs look i mean you got to remember the kids that committed to texas before the season they watched kansas put up 57 points in austin right i mean there's no way around it. It happened. And they saw some really rough defensive performances and a defense that was ranked, I believe, outside the top 100. So they saw opportunity at a big-time university that plays big-time football and is headed to the SEC. So I think there was a lot of draw with that. Then you get into the season. And, you know, look, Colton Vosick commits to Oklahoma. Brent Venables is a defensive guy, right? I mean, who had really good success at Clemson, has national championship rings. So then him, Anthony Hill, they see the Texas defense turn the corner. 
Anthony Hill watches Jalen Ford should have been Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, but become a big time linebacker for Texas. And we probably on some preseason All American list next year. So I think it's kind of twofold there. I think early the guys saw opportunity at Texas uh, to come in and in their minds push right away and get on the field. And then the guys later saw a defense that was improving, a team that was turning the corner as a program turning the corner under Steve Sarkeesian. You put it all together, and I think you have uh, the makings for a really good defensive class committed. See what happens with uh, Cecilia Connor here in the next few minutes. I think, but you know, defensively, look, there's a lot of really good players in the class. I think the two most important guys are Sadir Mitchell and Derek Williams. Uh, I think those are war daddy type of guys. Sadir Mitchell was the number one interior defensive lineman on the board at Georgia. That's a big deal. They go, they can go get anybody they want in America. And Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Trey Scott thought Sadir Mitchell was the guy. Then you look at Derek Williams. He could have gone to Alabama, AM, LSU, Miami. He is a big time safety. I mean, what Michael Griffin said to him today on Longhorn Network is kind of scary, saying he could be one of the top safeties to ever play at Texas. That's what he saw in video. That's a scary statement from a guy like Michael Griffin. So those two guys, I think, are potential war daddies up the middle of your defense. And as you head into the SEC, you know, look, if if Derek Williams ends up being 6'3", 210, 215, 220, like the Westgate staff thinks he's going to be, because both of the parents are six foot or over, um, you have NFL size with athleticism at safety, even if he ends up being 6'2", 205. And then with Sadir Mitchell, you have, that big-time SEC size with quick feet and agility uh, at defensive tackle. And what Texas did with Sadir Mitchell, that w- I think one of the big reasons they won from the football standpoint with Mitchell was he's not just going to play over the ball. They want him to play. They want him also to play some three technique. They don't want him to just stand over the football. And I think that was big compared to how Georgia was going to play him. So those are two big-time guys defensively. I think the tables are set. What will be interesting in the 2024 class looking forward is there's not a lot of big bodies on the defensive line in state next year. So they're going to have to go nationally. Um, I don't think – I think the state is good. A state like Texas or Florida, Georgia, California, Ohio, those states are good every year. I don't think it's a great year in Texas at a lot of positions defensively next year. So it's going to be national recruiting. Somebody asked about that earlier. They're going to – they're going to have to nationally recruit a little bit more defensively. Oh, hey, Jerry, I'd look at your phone and send that on to somebody if you get a chance. I just got a, I sent you a text about something. Uh, help us uh, get that taken care of, and uh, hopefully we can get something done here uh, to surprise some people. Um, I'm going to go to this real quick because I've got this one handled from Bryce Mills. Uh, is DeAndre Moore not a possibility for Texas now? Well, I think that ultimately – That is yet to be decided unless it's been decided by DeAndre Moore. Uh, My understanding is he's been given the day to decide whether or not he wants to go to Texas. Uh, Texas is probably not going to recruit him after today uh, because they felt that they had done enough uh, and were in agreement on everything, and he was expected to come. And now he's in a situation where he's looking around. I think some other teams have tried to come at him late, Georgia uh, as well as Louisville. Texas just – you know, I don't think they're they're willing to do that. They also have issues they believe uh, that uh, need to be addressed potentially in the portal, um, and so they also like the ones that they have. 
Yeah. And so that's another piece of it, right? It's never, everybody tries to look for these, I, I will say this, everybody tries to look for black and white answers in recruiting. It's not that way at all. There's a couple of guys that are, holy cow, this is amazing. This is the guy you got to have. DeAndre Moore is a really good player. I, I don't think he's a first round draft pick type guy right. um, that you make kind of exceptions for in some ways. I, your Your thoughts on that, Jerry? Yeah, I think he's re really solid. I think, look, if Jordan Whittington was definitely leaving, maybe that changes things, right? But the fact that uh, we believe um, that Jordan Whittington's likely coming back kind of changes the equation there, uh, and it gives Texas more leeway. Uh, but I, I know, look, Texas loves DeAndre Moore. They think he's a big-time player. Georgia was is fighting was fighting – for there has been some rumors that ah, Georgia, after they got Anthony Evans, is backing off DeAndre Moore. That's not true. I'm just telling you, Georgia was after him. I got a call um, from from a, a, a source in that in close to very close to Georgia football. Let's say they wanted DeAndre Moore all the way up to him. And Louisville's obviously fighting very hard. So those guys think he's a big time player. But I think again, if Jordan Whittington had said, "I'm out of here. I'm going on to the NFL," maybe that changes the equation. Yeah, I, I feel like you just got to you got to some of these are, are not just as cut and dry as people want it uh, to be. Um, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Samaje, if you're still out there, be on the lookout for a text from our producer. OK, uh, so if you still want to join, you're more than welcome to. I know Jerry would love to have you. Uh, so would I and, and the rest of the Texas fans uh, as well uh, for that. Um, all right. Let's let's get going here a little bit more. Uh, you mentioned something that uh, Michael Griffin said about Derek Williams to me, uh, and I, I heard it as well. I, I, I rewatched that, um, and he's one of those sudden players, Jerry. Yes, if that makes sense. Uh, he's one of those guys. When I, when I get asked what does Texas need to take that next step now. It's it's more difference makers. And I've said this multiple times and, and not this isn't the first even year I've said it. Yeah, they need more players. They need more depth. They need better starters. You know, if you can improve a starter that's a seven on a scale of one to ten into an eight or nine, that's great. But ultimately, a lot of football games, especially the toughest. Uh, hey, to Celia Khan of the Texas. Oh, there we go. He committed with about five lays on, apparently. Without oh, they couldn't see the shirt. <laughs> he had so many lays on. All right, so there we go. Tassilia Kana, uh, Matt. If you don't mind, put his uh, stuff up for us, uh, and we'll get it out going. Uh, Tassilia Kana, uh, linebacker out of uh, Utah, has now committed to Longhorns. That gives us twenty-two pledges on the campaign. Texas did indeed add one uh, to the uh, list. Today and that's a big one for Texas. Uh, congratulations to Steve Sarkeesian, Jeff Choate again, Pete Kwiatkowski, uh, those guys doing yeoman yeoman's work uh, today. Jerry, your thoughts on uh, Akana's addition to the class? I think he's a designated pass rush specialist coming in. Uh, he, he's an older senior, six uh, nineteen and a half um, years old. Uh, so he's got he's a guy who's more physically developed, but at the same time, he's got to add weight to his frame to, to really hold up against the the run at the power five level. Uh, but I think it's a big, big win for Texas. Look, that's two two pros from Hawaii. He committed back home in Hawaii uh, to Texas. So a, it's another pass rush uh, prospect. And I think the more they stack those chips, uh, the better chances they're going to find a difference maker 
um, you know, that's going to be able to get after the quarterback. And that's what he is. He's got some natural bend. He's got some natural pass rush feel to him. He's got really strong hands. He's a quick-footed kid. He can change direction. And, look, this is another guy, despite being from Hawaii and playing at Sky, Sky Ridge in Utah, this was an SEC recruitment at the end of the day. It came down to Texas, Oklahoma, and LSU. So, again, when I, we talk about this, how these kids are drawn to the SEC and how important that is for Texas, this is another recruitment where it came down to SEC schools and Texas won out. And so that one probably counts as another national recruiting win, Bobby. Yeah, no, I, I think this is another good one. And I, I do think that the uh, guys in Norman, Oklahoma right now are going, what the hell just happened? Um, that been a good finish for those guys. Not not what they were hoping for <laughs> in Norman uh, after losing Peyton Bowen earlier today to Oregon, not Notre Dame. Uh, didn't even make the finals for Bowen, and they thought they had him in – had him. Uh, switched to uh, Oklahoma, uh, but Oregon, and now to Siliacana, who they thought was going to be in their class as of a week ago. We started mentioning this, that Texas was still very much involved uh, on Friday of this past week. You put in an RPM pick. Uh, there were At the time you put it in, Jerry, I think that there were, it was either six or 12, and I can't remember. I'm, I feel so bad not being able to remember. There were only RPMs. For oh, football. I remember, Bobby. There were seven. <laughs> okay, seven. Well, here, there we go. Jerry Hamilton goes goes in and does it like at 6.55 p.m. last night. We do the live stream at 7 o'clock, and my phone and your phone start going off like crazy. What the hell is Jerry doing? Why is he doing this? And you're sitting there trying to explain it while you're texting uh, and making sure everybody understands. But uh, uh, Cecilia Kana, now a Longhorn, announces uh, just a few minutes ago for Texas. Yeah, and look, I, I – there's very few opportunities for a family in the NIL day and age to kind of team up, right? To team up in uh, from an NIL perspective. And obviously his sister, um, his sister served the winning point, a national championship volleyball match for University of Texas. And she's got a couple of years left at Texas, uh, at least one. Uh, but now this is, this gets to be a, a family opportunity for the Akanas. And, and I think that was always a little underestimated by myself and some other people. Um, but again, this is, he's also handled his recruitment different. He's not a kid out there on social media, hyping everything up. He would take visits. People wouldn't even know unofficially. He wasn't a guy doing a lot of interviews, guys that have worked a long time in our business both on the West Coast and nationally, really didn't have a feel for a long time on this recruitment. That, that's pretty good closing. Speech, I like right? that play, Jerry. I like that. That shows the no quit right there, yep. dude. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yep. He's got he's got that toughness to him. He's got that physicality to him. Um, he looks – you know, sometimes you just watch a guy on tape and you say, yeah, that guy loves football, right? You, you don't have to sit down and talk with him. That's kind of how he is to me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um you know, this brings Texas up to 22 commitments. Um, what do you think they're going to do the rest of the way uh, in the high school realm for 2023? You think they'll they'll keep their toe in the water clearly 
for Deuce Robinson if they're allowed to, right? Um, but anybody other than that, you could see them still going after uh, Jelani McDonald. I, I, I don't want to forget about him. He announces on January 7th. Uh, but anybody else you can you can think of? Yeah, you know, I, that's Deuce Robinson. They're going to stay in the fight for that, right? By the way, Texas moves up to the number four class. They pass Ohio State with the uh, commitment and signing of Cecilia Connor. So Texas officially moves to number four in the class rankings. Look, if Jelani McDonald goes Texas way January 7th, I think they're going to bump up the three. So they have a chance to finish with the number three class in the country. And Miami's in a fight, I think, with the Corma- with Deion Sanders for Cormani McLean right now. So we'll <laughs> see what happens there. Um, surely Miami will hang on to him. Uh, but, yeah, I think Texas moves up to four. I think Jelani McDonald, if they went out on that one, could push in the three. Um, and then they're going to stay in the fight on Deuce Robinson until there's a reason not to. Uh, this pro- staff has proven they're going to recruit through the whistle. And I do not expect that to change with Deuce Robinson. I got I to gotta say this, the, the ones you don't see, <clears throat> Alabama 1, Georgia 2, for people that are just listening to this and not uh, actually online watching it, Alabama, Georgia, Miami, top three. Texas 4 right now, Ohio State 5, Oregon is at 6. Uh, or, whoa, wait a minute. Where did Oregon go? LSU's at 6, Notre Dame at 7, Oregon at 8. However, Oregon still has some guys that they're trying to, to flip right now. Is that not correct? And usually there are some guys late on the West Coast that that are still yet to come in. Is that is that the case still? Because I thought it was, Jerry. Um, I think I think it is, but I think the majority of their work is done um, with this class. They already flipped, they flipped Dalen Austin from LSU, who obviously LSU is waiting on Desmond Ricks at corner. So I think the I think the the bulk of Oregon. I don't think they're going to get anybody that's really going to have the give them the ability to jump up to like a top three or four class it doesn't seem that way right now now um uh hold on a second i'm asking i gotta ask one of the people uh who they mean there um i want to ask uh or mention a couple other things here before we uh take uh, some other call or other questions uh and whatnot um <laughs> please tell uh, Majay, uh, someone tell Jerry to let me join the live. Uh, Majay, we have texted you, uh, I believe. So please uh, answer that text. Uh, if you have people on block, you probably can't block. Uh, but uh, Jerry gave us that contact information. Uh, so uh, text Jerry and maybe Jerry can also uh, send that information to you as well uh, if you're still there. Uh, but that is Samajay Burrell, we believe, uh, the linebacker from North Crowley that's been on this um, show before for us, uh, and uh, we talked to right after he committed to the Longhorns, uh, and he was one of the very first that uh, made that decision. Uh, he, we thought he might be going to Baylor at one point in time, if you remember that way back, Jerry, and he ultimately became one of the leaders of this Texas class. Yeah, and look, I, I've said before, of all the kids I sat down with and talked to extensively um, throughout this 2023 class. He was Samaje was as impressive as any guy. We sat and talked, I think, about 15 uh, minutes at North Crowley. And just you could just tell he's he's a football IQ guy. He's going to study uh, video and he's going to do all those things to maximize his talent as, as a player. And and he, it was just so impressive to talk with him. And then the North Crowley staff backed all that up. I mean, they, they just he, he was a leader um, this year and, and that he really did. 
everything that the new staff that came in there asked him to do uh, to help maximize the North Crowley team. And they had they won their first 12 games of the season. And he was a very big part of that. Uh, if he, I'm sure he's still listening. He got a raw deal ejection against Euless Trinity, I believe, uh, that cost him the first half of a next game or a next game. I'm sure he'll explain that when he gets here. But he was a productive player. He's going to be six foot and a half, 240 pounds, running high four fives. I mean, I think he's a true NFL prospect at linebacker. Yeah, and we'll see. If, and we'll see if he joins us here shortly. Yeah, I think he will. If he see, if he's still on, he's got a little busy day himself. I'm guessing. He's got to be happy with uh, uh, with how things have turned out for him and uh, everything that he's done uh, this year, uh, et cetera. Um, hey, uh, let's go. Uh, let's go look at this. And this is a something that I think is a legitimate question. We don't talk enough about some existing guys on the roster. Um, and this is at wide receiver. Jaden Alexis has had back to back knee injuries. We don't know if he's ever going to be the same. I, I agree. Yeah. So the last time I saw Texas practice, he, he did not uh, look like he was back uh, in any and even close to back. Uh, and he had a really clunky knee race on. it. Can that have changed in the last three months? Yes, it could have. I haven't heard that it is, though. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that's an unfortunate injury because coming out of high school, I was a big fan of his. I thought he was going to be an impact receiver. And I think he was I was starting to turn the corner and do well in the spring when he hurt that knee. And, and that's unfortunate. And that happens. But that's an unfortunate one, because I actually think he would have been a really good fit in this offense, too. Well, that, that, <clears throat> that leads me to a different question. Right. Is um, Sark. Troy O'Meara transfer. Right. Uh, so he, he's gone. Uh, really, they bring back Casey Kane as the number three guy. They bring back Isaiah Naylor, who would have been a number two or three guy uh, for him. Uh, but other than that, Brennan Thompson, Savion Red. It's not this really extraordinarily deep wide receiver room. And then they only take two in, in the high school ranks. I, I think they've got to go portal. Uh, I don't yeah. think there's any question. I mean, no, no yeah. he's gone. Gabe Sulster is gone. Those guys that played some late minutes for him. Uh, and if they want to go, we talked about this really early this morning, Jerry. They played a lot of two tight end looks this yes. year. A lot of 12 personnel uh, this season. If they want to start opening it up and having three and four receivers down the field and really try to showcase Quinn Ewers uh, as he gets uh, more developed in time, they're going to need more receivers to be on the field at the same time, as opposed to two tight ends. Mm -hmm. um, and they can do that only if, when and if, their offensive line gets to an age of development and ability that they can keep Quinn Ewers relatively clean. Uh, I, I think I think we're having going to have somebody join us here. <laughs> we are. <coughs> we are. Who's this guy right here? There he is. There's Samaje. <laughs> How you doing, Samaje? I'm doing good. How y'all doing? Good. Congratulations today, young man. Uh, out of North Crowley. Uh, it's got to be uh, – Jerry and I have followed recruiting and uh, talked to recruits like yourself for 30 years. And uh, this is the culmination of a lot of hard work on your your behalf, a lot of dreams. Uh, I know when you're young, you're not, you're, not, you're not wanting to be the next big guy at uh, Little League. You want to be the next big guy on the – college football field on the high school football field even on to the nfl and this is one of those situations where it, it marks a 
it marks a moment in your life where you're taking that next step. So congratulations to you on that. Tell us a little bit about the process for you, uh, what you've been doing this year to try to get better. And uh, tell us a little bit about all your team, your future teammates uh, that you got to know through this recruiting process. So the process with me, um, it really started with trying to find my position, really what fitted me. And I was on offense at first and tight end. Given my height, it really didn't fit. Um, it was crazy. I couldn't block to save my life. I was too aggressive. So moved me to linebacker. I played four games, ended with 36 tackles, and really was just going to the ball. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I found Carlos Whitmire, uh, my trainer, me and Ant, and Darian, we all had the same trainer, and he started to develop me, and it was crazy. So... I thank him a lot. I thank Coach Allen. Uh, he's now the, the head coach for Mesquite Horn High School. And it's just been a crazy process. Got the first offer from Baylor my junior year, and it just took off there. Got it. Um, hey, hey, Samaj, talk about when we sat down at North Corrale before you ever committed, uh, and I'm sure you've heard me say it on the show. I just did when you were listening. How, how you, you impressed me. Um, just with, I think, how much football you want to absorb. Um, the film watch, right? The film study, uh, really learning the nuances of your position, uh, mastering your craft. Uh, kind, of, kind of talk about that. Where does that come from? Is it the linebacker that, position that really got you going? Is that the way you've always been in sports, period? And by the way, everybody's talking about your backflips on social media. You got to start posting more photos of you dunking the basketball and warm-ups at uh, North Crowley. Got you. I think I have. Uh, I'm waiting on our uh, our photographer now to send me a few things. I have one where he got me doing a windmill. But, <laughs> but, but talk about that. Talk about linebacker position. How that's kind of evolved for you, and the way you attack being a football player and a linebacker. I say, as a football player, my dad always said I'm either a running back or a linebacker, and kind of just got moved to a linebacker with us already having a running back. And I say really just studying the game. I've always wanted – it's always been in me to study uh, just about every position. So it wasn't something hard to do or to catch on with. And I say I look after uh, Luke Keekley a lot and just in the way he studied the game and how it was so easy for him at the highest level, it kind of just – it just grew on me. So now it's like studying the game. And then going into a game, seeing how easy it is to where I could pick out a play or I could call a play at the line of scrimmage, it's like it's helping me out. So why change up? So I, I'm gonna put I'm gonna get you to put your evaluation hat on for a second, right? right? You've watched all the tape of the guys in the class, right? Y'all all watch huddle, you study each other, right? Mm -hmm. Whose game do you really like in the class? Who are you impressed with? Who I'm impressed with the most? Mm -hmm. That's a hard question. Everybody could play. Yeah. Uh, but is is there anybody that just really stands out? Okay. We're talking about this then. Talk about, I know you've watched the film on Anthony Hill and LaFowle. Yeah. Kind of talk about all you guys as a group of linebackers because that was the big position of need for Texas in the 23 class. So talk about, did you guys talk about that? Um, kind of talk about your thoughts on those guys. Oh, man. Those, they dogs for sure. They could play. I say Ant Hill. He deserves everything he has. He deserves being number one linebacker in the class. 
the way he play is just it's different. Um, I think he has a lot of good instincts, and you see that just watching the film. And I say that about with everybody else. They all bring an impact. They all have strengths to help the team. And even with our weaknesses, that could be somebody's strength. So, like, as a core together, we all come together. Let me ask you this, Samaje. Jerry and I were just talking this right before you got on, actually. And it was about the fact that um, you committed to Texas before Pete Kwiatkowski and this defense turned it around. Um, Last year, the Texas defense looked discombobulated at times, not cohesive. Uh, But, you know, what was it that made you say, okay, I want to be part of what turns it around. Then they go out on the field this year and have a pretty darn good year. Overall starts with that Alabama game where they only give up 20 points against a team that, you know, averages 35 plus a game nationally rated team. What was it about the Pete Kwiatkowski, Jeff Schott, uh, those guys that made you think that Texas was was going to turn the defense around a little bit this year? Or was that a little bit of a surprise to you? I think it's the seeing the history that they have and then also talking to players and getting to see practices. It's like you have to believe in it for a change. And it started with just being out of practice, seeing players get on players, seeing how much that they have grown to be player-led. So knowing that Demo, Jay Ford, Travell, D. Brown, everybody telling me take the OV, I'll see exactly what they're talking about. And taking that OV and then matching with their words, it just that that's really what got to me. Got it. Um, Jerry, you have anything you want to ask Manje? Yeah, so that led into my next question. Um, because when a program has struggled and they have a coaching change and they start to turn the corner, the one thing that's not talked about enough in recruiting is players recruit players, right? So you have to, you want to talk to the guys in the locker rooms and on the teams when you go make those visits. What, what was the, what did you get from the Texas players to convince you that, yeah, I'm thinking the right way university of Texas is where I want to be. Uh, I think it was really the change of mindset, uh, the energy that they brought, and it was obvious that they all believed in where they're headed. And that's something that I want to be a part of, just with their words matching matching their actions. Got and, it. And, and last thing for me, Bobby, and now I'll let you get your last question. You were one. You were the first one that was really a leader of this class on social media, right? Then John Tay came along, and he he's a lot of fun on social media, right? You guys kind of took the reins as far as the leadership uh, of this class. Kind of talk about that, and um, because I think you have some of that natural leadership quality, and kind of talk about how the class came together. I think it takes a few people to also believe in it and come together and want the best out of the situation you're in. So I think us recruiting other players, other big names, and getting them it just shows the leadership and the belief in the others. Hey, I, I got to say this. I like your Muhammad Ali poster behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, man. Hey, uh, what are you going to uh, – last question, and, and this is more of a football-based question. What are you going to be working on this spring to try to get better? Anything in particular? Nothing in particular. I want to work on everything. I want to really just improve my game and be the best – linebacker coming in that I can and then get into the development of choke. And and talk about what are you weighing right now? What were you weighing this time last year? Because you you look 10, 12 pounds bigger to me when I went through there this year. 
Yeah, so last year I was around 195, and I'm currently weighing 225. Oh, wow. <laughs> and when you're faster, you right? Hey, time out, time out. When that happens to a guy my age, that ain't good. Uh, I can see, age, I can that see that it good. <laughs> Yeah, five pounds or ten pounds is right here. Uh, congratulations, Samaje Burrell, the uh, linebacker, young man out of North Crowley High School. Uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, you had a fine senior season, uh, and we look forward to – and I know all the people here, I'm speaking for the 1,400 or so people that are online right now with us. We look forward to seeing you in Burn Orange uh, this time next year. Uh, Samaje, have a good one, bud. Congratulations on a big day for your, your future in Hook'em, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you. Hook'em. All right. Later, buddy. Um, all right. Uh, that was Samaje Burrell, uh, 2023, I guess really 2022, but class of 2023 signee for the Texas Longhorns. He is one of 22 uh, commitments on the year uh, for the high school class uh, for Texas. Uh, he joins most recently Tassili Akana, a linebacker edge prospect out of uh, Utah. Uh, one of the reasons we were doing this live broadcast in the afternoon today was to track Tassili's uh, decision. Uh, he comes up and commits to Texas, the linebacker edge out of Utah. His sister uh, is the a, a defensive specialist on the volleyball team. Uh, as Jerry has noted, she uh, uh, served the winning point in the national championship match against Louisville just three nights ago, I guess, or four nights ago on Saturday night uh, in a straight set win there. Uh, so it is a family affair now for Cecilia Kana. Uh, and, you know, we are still waiting to hear on DeAndre Moore. We do not know that it is completely closed, but I do think if we don't hear anything more from DeAndre Moore by the end of the night, then I do, I do think Texas may not be recruiting him come morning time. That's what I've been uh, told is most likely to occur. We are also still waiting to hear from Jelani McDonald as well, but we believe Jelani signed today, but will not announce his decision until uh, the Adidas All-American game, uh, which is coming in San Antonio on January 7th. Uh, Jerry, you have other news for us? Anything you no, want to talk I about? Think that pretty much, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, you know, Akana adds to the edge prospects in this class. Um, and I think that's a big one when you consider Darren Gillette had the knee injury. He's out for spring and early enrollee. So one of the very best athletes in this class and one of the guys I was really still am very excited about when he committed was very excited about him. I just want to see how he comes back from the knee injury um, is, you know, that's a big one because Gillette's out. That's going to slow his development, probably sends him into a red shirt season. Right. So getting to Celia Kana, um, in this class to go with Colton Vosick and Billy Walton. I mean, you, you, you're, Texas is starting to build some pass rush possibilities. And it's it's almost a numbers game, right? You know Vosick's going to be really good as an all-around player. But it's almost a numbers game. You, you know, you keep taking these talented guys who are going to be 6'3", 240, 250, and you're going to hit on a couple of them eventually. They're going to end up being difference makers as pass rushers. So I think Texas is getting to that point. You know, and Ethan Burke – a, a Jamon Tapp, you know, um, you know, those guys having now into their second beginning, their first spring, I guess, at Texas, they should see some a big jump from year one to year two. And then you have some talented guys coming in behind them. So I think Texas is close to getting a hit or two uh, off the edge as pass rushers. And to see may be the most gifted naturally as a pass rusher. I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. 
uh, been with us now for a few months, and uh, we really appreciate him. Uh, at the Lowy Law Firm, they specialize in results for their clients. Uh, Adam is who you want to call. Call Adam at 512-280-0800 or reach him online at lowylawfirm.com for a free consultation. And remember, Adam uh, focuses on results. Uh, Jerry, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the uh, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, I'm getting texts from folks. He was just at the podium, apparently. Uh, Sark uh, is saying, we're not done yet. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I think that it could mean a number of things in context. I do believe Jelani McDonald's very much in play. It could mean DeAndre Moore. It could be more portal players, given the fact that they also just announced both not only uh, Ryan Sanborn, uh, but if you're just now joining us, Texas also got a somewhat of a surprise. It wasn't a surprise that he committed. It was a surprise that he decided to commit today, uh, and that is Gavin Holmes, uh, the defensive back out of Wake Forest. So really, I would say two mild surprises today. Cecilia Kana uh, announcing for Texas wasn't a surprise necessarily to Jerry Hamilton, uh, but uh, also Gavin Holmes, the corner out of Wake Forest. And by the way, Cecilia Kana, Leona LaFau was the first from Hawaii to sign with Texas. Uh, is the first, to my knowledge, to ever commit sitting by a pool with multiple lays on to the University of Texas. So that's a he, that's a he's a first ever. OK, so I, we've been doing this a long time, Bobby. I don't think we've ever seen that. <laughs> you know, we go back to the days of Jesse Armstead in a hot tub going to Miami. Right. But we, nobody's ever committed to Texas with multiple lays on sitting in front of a pool in Hawaii. So there's there's one for you. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, it, it's been a good day for Texas. Uh, I think it's been a good day uh, for the Longhorns. Uh, it all started uh, this whole recruiting process, in my opinion, started with Arch Manning, though. Yeah, uh, I, I don't want to make too much of this as if, you know, it's the only thing that mattered. But I remember you, me and Eric uh, getting on a call. Uh, Justin then joined us and we started talking about, OK, we think Arch is going to Texas. And the um, notoriety attention that would receive. And about a week or two later, lo and behold, it was Texas. And when that happened, it changed the trajectory of the class from one where, oh, yeah, Texas may get their normal class. Let me get a couple guys here and there to, OK, it started looking like it was a little more star studded, a little more nationally oriented, if that makes sense. Uh, and really, you, I can kind of trace this back to there when Texas just took it to another level, and Steve Sarkeesian proved that he wasn't a one-hit wonder with last year's class. Absolutely. And look, as much as we talk about Steve Sarkeesian quarterback development, offensive scheme with the Mannings, and I do think he's viewed as their modern-day Cutcliffe, in a way, uh, by the Manning family, does that happen if Texas doesn't get all those offensive linemen in the 22 class? So that's where these classes have to – kind of melt together and come together and you got to stack classes. I'm not sure at that point, you know, if Texas didn't have that strong close on the offensive line, the Mannings would look at Texas and be like, you know, that's the best place for our kid when Georgia and Alabama are options. So, you know, we, we look at that. I think it almost dates back to the last couple of weeks of signing day uh, of the 2022 class. And that really paved the way for Sarkeesian, AJ Milwee to kind of drive home you look, we are we are headed in the right direction 
this is a place where you can come develop as a quarterback. We're going to protect you on the offensive line. We know you like the scheme. Uh, so they started putting it together at the end of the 2022 class, and it'll be interesting moving forward. Um, look, it's not the same. Recruiting's not the same as it used to be. Um, if Arch Manning had committed to Texas in 2007, they would have signed five high school wide receivers, right? But there's not – that's where the game is different right now. So some people on Inside Texas have been like, well, why is Texas not getting the top receivers now that Arch Manning committed? Well, it's it's a combination of high school and portal recruiting. That's the main thing. But when I look at Arch Manning, and I wrote something on Inside Texas after he committed. It's the most impactful. But part of it is the name, obviously, the first family football. Part of it's we're in the social media day and age, in the NIL day and age. Uh, but it's the most impactful football recruit I think Texas will have moving forward. I, I don't see how they have one uh, that's going to have more of an impact on the university, having the Manning family around the university having Arch Manning in the Texas uniform. We talked about it this morning, went on there so long. As crazy as this is, when Texas starts spring practice, what the national media is going to want one thing at the University of Texas, pictures of Arch Manning throwing a football in spring practice. That's how big this is. And that's some maybe unfair to the players that are returning on the team, but that's the way it is. And, you know, it lifts all boats. And, and, and those guys have to be accepting of, uh, the notoriety and how much it's going to help push uh, Texas football uh, even more into the national, uh, into the minds of the uh, national coverage. And I think it's that big of a deal. Uh, I, uh, I see you, what you're saying with that, Jerry. Um, it in uh, who was it that I think it was Rod Babers um, who I talked with quite a bit, as you know, uh, online or after games uh, in particular. And, he said that it was a it was like the Manning family blessing Steve Sarkeesian, right? It was like uh, it's like the blessing the marriage, basically, you know, and that means if Arch Manning or if uh, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning say it's OK to go to Texas, well, 100%. gee, it should be OK for me to go to Texas. My, you know, and you're not talking about I mean, I'm talking about the 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 father of Colton Vosick, the father of Samaj Burrell, the father of Malik Muhammad, everybody in between, right? They they probably look at that guys. Those guys know football. Mm -hmm. They the Banning family knows a lot of things. I'm sure they're really good business people and all this other stuff that they probably have their tentacles into. But first and foremost, they know football. They're not letting their own flesh and blood go somewhere they don't trust. And, and, and to add on to that, the belief in that Sarkeesian could get the corner turned at Texas in that regard. Let, let's be real. The two games Arch Manning was at as a junior were Oklahoma State and Kansas. <laughs> I mean, that's the two games he was at at Texas as a junior. Um, it didn't get much rougher than that last season. I mean, just the way the Oklahoma State game was lost in the Kansas game, I mean, which was really rough, that they still had confidence in, in Steve Sarkeesian, the Manning family. Uh, it, it says a lot uh, for for Sarkeesian uh, and the direction of the program uh, from some really bright football minds who have, you know, look, I mean, Eli went to Ole Miss, right? Ole Miss wasn't – they were a good program. They weren't a great program, right? I think he led them to the first 10-win season in a while. Um, Peyton Manning went to Tennessee, uh, which is always interesting to look back at that, is obviously I think you had him the number one player in the country. Um, which he was, 
And he went to Tennessee on a, go went to a program that was struggling to get over the hump, right? I mean, that was struggling to climb that mountaintop. He recruited a lot of those players and missed out on the national championship by a year. So it's not like Peyton and Eli went to the t- very top programs of college football out of high school. They were looking for their David Cutcliffe quarterback development, player development, and that is what they found in Steve Sarkeesian. I, I agree. Um, you think my point, and, and this is the question I have for you, uh, you think the Mannings helped with uh, Anthony Hill? That's the kind of thing I was talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I absolutely think so. I, I think that uh, a phone call from Cooper Manning, a belief in the program. Look, I mean, if you if you run into Peyton Manning and ask what he thinks about it, right? I mean, those guys like Steve Sarkeesian. They've been in Las Vegas at Football Foundation events with Steve Sarkeesian too. And one of the things we don't really talk about, but it happened. Um, so, I mean, anybody you talk to in that Manning family is pro Sarkeesian, pro Texas, um, or pro Texas with Steve Sarkeesian. Absolutely. I think that helps with Anthony Hill. Absolutely. I think it helps with Cedric Baxter, even though Tashar Choice had the relationship. Uh, Jerry, I've got to take a phone call. Can you uh, take this from here? Take a few questions from the fans. Uh, I'm going to remove myself and take a phone call because this could be something that uh, a source and I need to talk to him. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So recapping a little bit today, Texas is currently the number four class with uh, Cecilia Kana committed. When you look at the back-to-back classes for Texas, this is where it gets impressive for me. Five on three consensus, five stars combined in the two classes. Um, obviously, there you see the number four class, three five stars on three consensus, five stars in this class. And that is the number one ranked quarterback and number one ranked prospect, Arch Manning, number one ranked running back, Cedric Baxter out of Orlando, Florida, Arch out of New Orleans, obviously. Anthony Hill on three consensus, five star uh, linebacker. Then you had in the last class, uh, you had DJ Campbell and Kelvin Banks. Kelvin Banks, obviously a freshman All-American. DJ Campbell will start at right guard next year, in my estimation. So those are five five-star guys. Then you have 12 combined guys in those two classes that are top 100 guys in the country. Then you have 27 combined guys in those two classes that are top 300 guys in the country in the on-three consensus. So you're starting to stack back-to-back top five classes together. And Steve Sarkeesian says they're not done. I don't believe they're done either. So I think there's a good chance uh, that they, you know, have a top three class at the end of the day. Nobody's catching Alabama and nobody's catching Georgia for two. So you're everybody's looking for that number three spot to finish as high as they can. So Texas is back, you know, and more than that, they've addressed the positions of need. Offensive line in 2022, and I think a lot of really talented defensive linemen, they seem to have a couple, three of those guys hit. Then in this class, linebacker, uh, Derek Williams at safety, Malik Muhammad at corner. I, I think they've done a really good job. And look, they aren't, they aren't the most highly ranked guys as we scroll down this list, but two of the guys near the bottom of the rank prospect rankings list are, are uh, Spencer Shannon and Will Randall. And, and I think those guys are very important pieces to the future of Texas football because Spencer Shannon's, I think, can be an elite in-line blocker at the tight end position. I think he's a physical guy with a huge frame that can be 6'7", 260 pounds. He's got baseball hand-eye coordination. He's got physicality. So I think that was a very important win. And then Will Randall, look, there's some Andrew Beck there with him. Uh, Andrew Beck was a guy that played tight end, linebacker, special teams, and plant high school in the Tampa area. Will Randall's a very good football player. Uh, When I saw him this year, you know, he's working out at – edge or linebacker, tight end, 
uh, covers kicks. Uh, so these guys have a lot of value. The little things that teams do to go from eight wins to nine wins, nine wins to ten wins, I think both of those guys are key uh, in this class as well. So it's not always the most highly ranked guys. It's also guys that play important roles. And I think both tight ends in this class are going to play important roles. And Will Randall's a guy that can move around, play H-back. Uh, he can do so many things for you. Uh, those guys are going to impact winning in their own way. And I think that's very important to know. And then you see a guy like Andre Kojo. Look, last year the offensive line class was full of stars that people expected to come in early, compete for time early. Look, Cole Hudson went above and beyond. He was the only early enrollee. He ends up starting 11, uh, 12 games this season. Uh, so you look at a guy like an Andre Kojo, and there's more upside developmental guys in this offensive line class than really the instant impact guys. But it's perfect timing to bring those guys in to Texas because the last class was the guys that were physically ready to roll. Um, a guy like Kelvin Banks, who's the top offensive tackle prospect in, in the country. This group has guys that are going to really develop over the next year. Some massive, large human beings, uh, large humans, as Kyle Flood likes to call them. But it's a good mix and match class there. I think Texas has really done a great job addressing needs. I mean, that's the thing that you look at, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It was defensive line at some edge last year. Um, this year it's linebacker and some adding some more pieces on the edge. And when you look at this class, I think, you know, what people heard Jeff Banks say on Longhorn Network today, kind of, I, I really agree with when you get, when you're around these kids, you get to know some of these kids. I think they have a lot of football junkies that have leadership ability in this class. And I think that's so important. Again, as you're looking to go from that eight, the nine, the 10, the 11 wins, and maybe competing to get in that playoff. Uh, I, I think they have some really good, really good players, high-end guys, high-end football players um, that really are going to respond to adversity, are going to be easy to coach, that are going to stay in the film room. They're just going to maximize their talent, and that's really what you're looking for. We had one on earlier, Samaje Burrell. I think Anthony Hill is that way. I think Arch Manning. Look, we could talk about Arch's skill set on the field. We can talk about his release. Um, we can talk the quickest release I've seen since Dan Marino. I'm not saying he's going to be Dan Marino, but the quickest release, really good athlete, underrated athlete, uh, played under duress at Isidore Newmore, which I think is going to help him so much at the next level. But what Steve Sarkeesian said this morning is kind of what I've seen from Arch Manning. He said he signed at 7, and he was working out at 7.05. And when I was talking about this this morning when Bobby and I were going through Arch Manning. Seeing him multiple times at Isidore Newman, he attacks, he sprints from drill to drill, from rep to rep. Uh, he is such a, he has leadership qualities. He's the first guy to support his teammate and give them credit. Uh, and, and he does all those little things and he attacks every rep. He attacks the weight room. He attacks the practice field like it's a game. And I think that, that Texas has a lot of guys in the class like that. All right, uh, Jerry, I'm sorry, I'm back. Thank, Thank you for... Uh, soliloquying, you, you, your best Shakespeare there. Um, I, I was, I had to take that phone call. I do not have any breaking news or anything like that. Uh, but uh, uh, Longhorns still trying to, to to make some recruiting hay uh, as of right now. Uh, waiting to see if there's anything else going on in the portal at this point uh, that would be of note. Uh, Texas uh, still has uh, uh, recruiting Jihad Carter out of Syracuse. Uh, the defensive back is expected, we're hearing, uh, to decide between Texas and Ohio State at this point. 
Uh, timeline on that is uncertain. Texas still waiting to hear back from DeAndre Moore, uh, the wide receiver, although Texas is thought to be willing to move on from that. Uh, and I am told that they are also waiting on Jelani McDonald right now as well, the young man from Waco Connolly. Uh, and so we'll see how that uh, plays out. A uh, lot of stuff going on today. A lot of movement for the Longhorns, Jerry. Uh, all in a positive direction. Not every. I mean, they didn't. It would have been nice if they would have got Kamori and Pimpton. I think uh, if I'm really talking about it today, I actually think that losing the loss of Pimpton to me is is a little stings a little bit more than the loss potentially of DeAndre Moore, uh, simply because guys that are 6'6", 220 and throw the shot 54 feet don't come around all that often. And you know you can go into the portal and find a good uh, solid receiver at some point, right? Yeah, absolutely. Pimpton was a guy that I really um, very high on because, you know, look, it's the same thing that happened with Texas coaches. They Jeff Choate went to watch Samaje Burrell, and they knew the name Kaporian Pimpton, but they saw a totally different player. Same thing for me. I mean, we ranked him really high on three to begin with, higher than anybody else in the industry. Uh, but then when I went through – there early in the season to see Samaje Burrell and some of their younger guys. I was just look. I, I was watching the tape before I stopped, made the school stop, and I was watching Pimpton's uh, early season high school uh, huddle, and I was kind of blown away. And I went and watched his tape the year before in Fort Worth ISD, and it just looked like a totally different player. Um, and so, yeah, I'm the same way. There aren't six six two tens that throw the shot fifty five and the discus one sixty five. That's a special ankle flexion hip. Uh, flexibility, natural explosion in the hips, really strong core. There aren't guys like that who aren't physically developed yet that have that type of natural explosive power. Got it. Um, I want to say thank you again to our sponsor, Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. The Lowy Law Firm specializes in results. Adam is who you want to call. Call him today at 512-280-0800 or reach him online at lowylawfirm.com for a free consultation. Whether it's a tragic car wreck, an accident in the workplace, or any sort of serious or catastrophic injury, uh, give Adam. He focuses, he and his team focus on results. Uh, Jerry, I, you, you tell us uh, Longhorns at number four. Uh, I understand that Oregon has uh, flipped another commitment from Notre Dame today. Uh, so I'm sure they're going up the, the rankings yet again. Uh, they're number eight. They're number, well, I think they, they flipped another one. They're seven. They're seven now. Okay. Um, you know, how much give people a, a sense of how much this will waffle in the next, you know, 24 to 72 hours? Because we, we all people that have been around newcomers may not understand this, but there are additions, late additions two days from now that could truly impact the rankings. Right. Yeah. Um, it could be a day from now. A lot of different things. What, what you know, do we think this is going to end up a top five class at this point or we or do we know? Well, look, Oregon's at, Oregon's at 30 right now, so they got to be close to done, right? 30 so, scholarships. Okay, got it. They've got 30 guys in the class right now. Uh, by the way, uh, Texas staffer just uh, tweets one more surprise, question mark. So, uh, you know, maybe Sark's not done yet today. We'll find out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Texas – if Texas gets Jelani McDonald um, January 7th, I think, I think that locks him into a top five class for sure. I just don't see it uh, that changing. Uh, I could see Texas finishing as high as three or four. I, I really could because, um, you know, the five stars are off the board. I think Damon Wilson, um, 
Damon Wilson went to Georgia. So I, I, I think it looks good for a second straight top five class. Somebody's asking about Travis Hunter. Um, okay. I, here's one, th- here's the one thing I was told on Travis Hunter. That's interesting. Um, high altitude may be an issue for him. So he may not end up at Colorado due to uh, something medically. I was told that, that maybe that if he doesn't end up at Deion, with Deion Sanders at Colorado, that could be why. And I'm not saying that's 100% fat, um, but the person that told me this would probably know. <laughs> so something interesting just to consider with Hunter, and I'm not saying that has anything to do with Texas, um, but that could be a reason why he doesn't end up with Deion at Colorado if that comes to fruition. Interesting. That would open up a, you know, Pandora's box because I, I would imagine he would be as highly rated um, and ranked as uh, anybody. Uh, I, I, you know, wh- where do you see, is this one of those classes that when you put it on top of the other one from last year, Jerry, that you look back and say, okay, this is kind of how Mac Brown used to stack them. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think one of the things that Mac did so underrated though was defensive line recruiting and it was four man front. Right. But I mean, Texas had one or two defensive linemen drafted, I believe, for what was it, five, six straight years. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if Texas is uh, is to that level on the defensive line right now recruiting. I think they can get there, but I don't think they're there right now. Uh, but as far as talent, one to 85, yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities there. But I've always said that was the most underrated part of Mac Brown's recruiting is the level of defensive linemen that were rolling through Texas. Now, they didn't have – seven guys that look like Georgia or Alabama, but just go through the, the the recruits and how highly ranked they were at the defensive line back in the day. I mean, Sergio Kendall's an athlete, obviously, but Rackpo was a high four-star guy. I mean, you know, Tim Crowder, Roy Miller, flipped from Oklahoma, you know, so, I mean, you just go down the list, uh, Rod Wright, uh, Frank Ocam. I mean, there were a lot of guys that got drafted, Alex Okafor, um, over a long period of time on that defensive line, Brian Robeson. I mean, so, you know, we can keep thinking about him, even though we've been on here for seven hours today. Uh, I think that's the one difference, but one, the 85 talent. Yes. I can see a lot of similarities. Um, you know, we're, we're looking this, uh, I think that, I think, uh, I'm, I'm trying to encapsulate how I feel about these two classes back to back and comparing them to Mac. And, you know, I think that this is these are reminiscent of some of Mac's early classes, not necessarily the ones in like 03, 04, or, uh, 05, you know, where he really started stacking them. Uh, and I, and I, the reason I or 02, really, uh, 03, 04, 05, the reason I go back to that is because I think that there are there are some stars in this group. Mm hmm. There are the Chris Sims, a.k.a. Arch Manning. There is the guy, uh, you know, Sadir Mitchell, Derek Williams. Uh, There there are some guys out there that are national level recruits. Mm -hmm. Anthony Hill, Malik Muhammad, John Take. They're they're just a number of those. Sadir Mitchell is another one. um, And so I don't feel like it's in full bloom like it was in Mac in those like like the early 2000s as much as is the earlier Mac classes where they they were they had 8 to 10 guys that were nationally ranked and the rest were kind of regional guys. 
I think that's kind of where Texas is right now, uh, going back to back. Uh, and, and of course, those those uh, teams ended up being the uh, launching point for, you know, the uh, golden era of Texas football in the this century. So, yeah. Uh, and look, you look at if you go back and th- that 2002 class, right, that was the VY class. But that was Justin Blaylock, Casey Studdard, Sinline. I mean, there are multiple NFL offensive linemen in that class. Jonathan Scott, I believe, was what the class before, the 01 class. Um, multiple NFL offensive linemen in back-to-back classes. And as great as Vince Young was, as great as Jamal Charles was, that offensive line is by far the best offensive line Texas has had in a long time, right? Probably dating back to the only one that compares them, maybe, you know, John McAfee days with Dan Neal. Um or Ricky's senior year with Leonard Davis, Mike Williams, some of those guys. I mean, there's a lot of talent. But those classes put the offensive line together, the 01, 02 classes, to really help get Texas to that national championship level. One of those guys that nobody – people rarely mention, Derek Dockery was on that line too. Yep. Started a number of years in the league and uh, was a really good player as well. Um, all right, uh, Jerry, I, I think it's been a long day for both of us. Uh, what a what a day. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be talking again uh, either later tonight or tomorrow. Uh, but uh, it's just been a joy. Uh, this is, like I said, it's it's Christmas Day. Uh, Longhorns get to some great players. Signed 22 high school players today. There could be more coming. And if there is, we're going to be back. So I'll, that's that's mine and Jerry's promise. We said Going into today, that we would we're we're giving up today as much as possible, uh, if possible. Uh, even though we're both kind of, I mean, we're. I, I hate to tell you guys this, but this is not this is not the best of Bobby Burton or Jerry <laughs> Hamilton that you will see in your lifetime. But, uh, uh, anyways, uh, you guys have been terrific. We appreciate you guys uh, visiting us here at On Texas Football, and please uh, hop on over to Inside Texas. We've got so many articles. Uh, about the players, about how Texas ranks uh, in various categories versus their peers, versus national players, national teams as well. Uh, join us there, Eric Naline, Justin Wells, Joe Cook, Paul Wadlington, Ian Boyd, all of us uh, on Inside Texas as well. So for Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been Signing Day Live, part two. Thanks.